Hello and welcome to AMSSM Sports MedCast. Today's episode is part of an ongoing mini journal club series highlighting each of the top articles in sports and exercise medicine in 2021 as selected for this spring's annual meeting. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Schroeder, and I am joined today by Dr. Lee Mancini, Associate Professor in Family Medicine and Community Health at UMass Chan Medical Center. He's also Chief of the Division of Sports and Exercise Medicine and a Program Director of the Primary Care Sports and Exercise Medicine Fellowship Program. He serves as a co-chair of the Top Articles Subcommittee, the newest addition to the Education Committee. Well, Lee, it is great to have you back once again for another Honorable Mention article highlight. Jeremy, thrilled to be here. So again, today, as we delve into another great article we are going to talk today about blood flow restriction training for athletes. This is a systematic review by Wortman et al., published in the American Journal of Sports Medicine in June 2021. So blood flow restriction has been around for a few years now, and something that has been used, I know in the military medicine community in which I work, this is being utilized uh, quite a bit in certain communities. What are some of the things that this review set out to investigate? So yeah, Jeremy, this was a systematic review of the literature where they looked at over 237 articles to get down to 10 final studies to look at blood flow restriction training. In particular, within, within each of those studies, they looked at the patient demographics, the study design, the training protocol that was used, what was the occlusive cuff location, and what was the occlusive cuff pressure. So basically where they were putting the blood pressure cuff on the patient, what is the upper extremity, was it the lower extremity, was it the lower leg, was it the thigh. They looked at maximum strength improvement like one rep max bench press, one rep max squats, for example, in some of the studies, they looked at muscle size measurements in terms of circumference. And they also looked at markers of sports performance, whether it was sprint times, agility tests, jump measurements like a vertical leap or a broad jump within that area. And you touched on, you know, initially in your intro on blood flow restriction therapy, and then it's been around for a number of years in the military. You know, part of my background is I have over 20 years as a strength and conditioning coach through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And you know we've seen it being used with elderly populations. We've seen it used in physical therapy clinics. Some of our strength and conditioning uh, programs at some of the schools where I'm the head team physician for have implemented it with athletes, both injured athletes, as well as in their normal weight room regimens. Um, so it is something that's becoming more and more mainstream as a way to look at strength um, improvement, look at injury recovery, and using it in a, in a variety of different clinical settings. So I thought this was a really great article. If anyone out there in the membership hasn't read up on blood flow restriction therapy or blood flow restriction training, this is a good article to use as a, as a starting point. I completely agree. I think it's a, a great primer and review. But having not a lot of time in utilization, was there a lot in the literature for blood flow restriction? So there were really, you know, three main things that this study found that they could definitively say with blood flow restriction training. And again, to your point, you're right. 
you know, they pulled out only 10 articles, but seven out of nine studies showed a significant increase in strength when doing strength training with blood flow restriction therapy versus a control. Four out of eight studies showed a significant increase in muscle size and muscle circumference with blood flow restriction training versus a control. And three out of four studies showed significant improvements in sport-specific measurements. You know, those sprint times, those agility tests, vertical leap, you know, jump measurements. So some really good data that the studies that have been done and that were looked at did show some positive definitive benefits of blood flow restriction. One of the other things just to mention in looking at those 10 studies is that there was some variability in blood pressure cuff occlusive pressure that were used where some studies used would occlude the cuff up to 110 millimeters of mercury, whereas some studies went up to 240 millimeters for mercury. So it was the range of 110 to 240 with the 10 different studies. But again, some really good data that shows that BFR does increase strength, does increase muscle size, and does you know, improve sports performance. I think that's fantastic opportunities in various settings, as you mentioned, various special populations and a pretty diverse amount of applications. It's not just for the elite athlete necessarily, but can be very helpful post-injury and recovery in being able to get strength gains without as much load as we previously needed to have for the rehabilitation. Now, what are the steps ahead in the literature concerning optimization of blood flow restriction utilization? Yeah, great question, Jeremy. I, I think that the next steps with BFR is one, getting more studies out into the literature to look at specific protocols. As you alluded to, initially a lot of BFR started out with physical therapies, therapists and injuries and recovery. I think looking at it more from a sports performance standpoint, doing more studies, looking at, at that piece, um, incorporating into strength and conditioning programs for athletes. Two, I know that one area that's being looked at, especially is in the elderly. Again, as you mentioned, where if you use BFR, you don't have to have quite the same external load as far as you don't have to lift as heavy weights. So for elderly patients doing BFR, in a controlled setting may be really helpful from a, a strength and muscle growth and development and, and gain standpoint without using the heavy weights. So I think just more, more studies in a lot of those different areas, as well as looking at sort of standardized protocols, right? Trying to standardize, you looked at this from 110 to 240 millimeters of mercury. If you can say, all right, we're gonna standardize these studies that look at 110 and what we get there, look at you know 180 and what we get there, look at 240 and what we get there. I think that's where you can compare different protocols where this systematic review, some of the protocols were, were vastly different. And again, if we can try to get some sort of a level playing field or some sort of consistency in the protocols, I think that will be helpful. Excellent, I couldn't agree more. I am super excited for the evolution of blood flow restriction and its clinical applications. I would like to thank Dr. Lee Mancini from the AMSSM Top Articles Committee. 
Links to all of the articles can be found in our podcast show notes. I'd also like to thank you, the listener. I hope you found this time valuable. And if so, please like, subscribe, and leave a quality five-star review on your preferred listening platform. I hope you'll join us again soon for the next edition of the AMSSM Sports Medcast. The views expressed are theirs alone and do not represent the official policy or position of the AMSSM, the U.S. Army, Department of Defense, the U.S. government, or UMass Chan Medical Center.